0: Hello and welcome to Afroqueer. I'm your host, Sally Chum. Well, we've had a bit of a break, but we're back to share our last few episodes of season four. And yes, all good things must come to an end, but these are some fantastic episodes. So everybody stay tuned because they will be so worth it. <laughs> Before we get into today's episode, I have an exciting announcement. Afroqueer has won gold in this year's Anthem Awards. The Anthem Awards celebrate purpose and mission-driven work from people, companies, and organizations worldwide. And you can watch us virtually accept our award at the Anthem Awards ceremony on Monday, February 28th. The virtual experience goes live at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern in the U.S., which is 11 p.m. Nairobi, sorry, Nairobi, and 10 p.m. Joeburg, 8 p.m. Accra, and you can watch the Anthem Awards at anthemawards.com. It's been an amazing four seasons, and this is such an exciting recognition of all of the work that we've done, so thank you very much. Now, today's episode, I've been excited to share for a while. I first heard the Nigerian non-binary poet and songwriter, Logan February, read this essay during Afroqueer's online festival in 2020. And when I heard them read this beautiful, intriguing, and very personal piece of writing, I knew we should find a way to share it on the show. So we've collaborated with Logan and turned their essay into an audio short story. It's a piece that explores one of their queer experiences in Nigeria and explores the experience of being ghosted. So this excerpt is called "My Ghost" and it's read by Kinsey Odison. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we did making it. Also, please be advised this episode contains some strong language.
1: The last time I saw the ghost, he met me at a fancy hotel in Ikoi after many months of us not seeing each other. I was in town for a poetry festival. He stopped by to say hello. Our meeting was a very adult affair, composed like something cinematic. There was little talk about our harried past, the intensity, the heartbreak, the ring I'd flung into a black lake. We spoke instead of his newborn niece, his demanding work, my weeks on tour with a book about my sadness. We smoked weed out of his ceramic pipe, embossed with skulls. And he showed me a new tattoo on his left cup. I touched his skin, and soon we were given in to desire, becoming a tangle of long limbs and begging to stay the night, to touch the other some more, to perhaps slow down a little, or otherwise blow the lines of self, be lost entirely. Since my ghosting, few of my poems have been about this man. More often he stands at the door of my verse, His fist is raised, but he never knocks. It was a week before the first ghosting when he began to make himself difficult to love. We loved over the internet and I could count all of our physical interactions on one hand, but for a while it was as real as thunder. We had been texting but then I'd noticed that he didn't want to speak to me anymore. Did he want me to fuck off and leave him alone? No, he said. He didn't want me to leave. It was just that he did not know what to say to me. I said I would listen to anything at all, anything he said. It strikes me as pathetic now. I must have said it because I wasn't The ghost and I kind of just stopped talking. I asked him to send me a voice note, because I had not heard his voice in the several weeks since I had left Lagos. The note he sent me was a relic of sweetness, the sort of words someone might sample in a sad song about the end of love. After that, there was another ghosting, a starker ghosting, through which he became transmuted into the entity I now know as my ghost. Ghost, my, ghost, my ghost. An entity that returned wearing love's newer and truer face of cruelty and of ugliness, the face of madness. madness. ghost was very handsome and very tall. He had a disproportionately sized penis. I don't know, I just recall having the impression that it belonged to a smaller man. But I didn't mind that. I hardly considered it at all. I felt shock and embarrassment, but also extreme joy, curiosity, lust. When we met, I was in a hypomanic state. I had a roster of half a dozen guys I was sleeping with, had recently shaved my head, was making decisions at such a frequency that there was little time for consideration. Even my one night stand with the ghost, the excessive drinking and outrageous flirtation that led up to it, this was all outside of my character. I think it unfortunate that when I loved the ghost, I was not at all my real self. I was invincible and a cosmic fool. Nigeria makes it hard to fuck with its stringent anti-queer legislation, its institutional wars against queer bodies its enslavement to the colonial import of Abrahamic religions. Still, I had my long list of trysts: The threesome with a couple in Lagos, the computer engineering student who wanted me tied up and left my body spotted with hickeys as a kind of romantic gesture The chain smoker who once, after our act, pulled out of me to find blood on his condom. With my ghost, the sex was quiet and not very exciting. At daybreak, we tiptoed out of the house so his sister would not find out he'd had me over. Over and over this way. To fuck, to feel anything at all, was a way of winning with my outlawed body. In the aftermath of it all, I spiraled into a quest to understand my desire, to master it. I read several theories, literary, psychological, Buddhist, and my takeaway was that desire is the teasing of an intrinsic void. To obey it is to answer yes, 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 to the calling of some emptiness within us, which is not at all my idea of what it is to win. Oh, the ghost taught me so much about loss. Like a craftsman, he shaped the outline of my void, its molting edges. I'm unsure if now I write about him because I miss him or out of spite. After he ghosted me, I ghosted many guys, every other man who was interested in me. I did not want to be their piece of meat, a pretty thing to win. I wanted no one if it would not be him. If I had a void that called so loudly, I would not fill it with anyone else. Rather, I would enter it myself. And disappear. Because perhaps. I do have a problem with desire. Maybe the problem is not with these men. Who tease the hole in my soul. But more with the hole itself. The soul itself. If I resent the ghost. It is because I have been forced to wonder. What it is in me that must be mastered. The second ghosting was not as ceremonial as I've made it out to be. He called me after maybe three months of radio silence I said I only had five minutes to talk, and what did he want? I was busy. We talked for over two hours. He missed me and wondered where the time had gone. He hoped there were no new boys in my life he would have to fight off. There was no one, I said, and he told me he would not let time fall down between us again like a wine glass. This after I was far into my backwards walk away from him, picking the shards from my feet. While he spoke, with that rambling confidence he always had, I found myself fishing the old ring he'd given to me, from the box where it was stowed, slipping it onto my thumb to admire it. Tilting my hands this way and that, Affirming his endless sweet words. What a sparkling night that was. And he never called me after. Ten days later, I had unraveled to less than nothing. I resorted to that wretched coping mechanism I had determined to quit. Taking a blade to my body, I was ungentle with myself and wept afterwards. Then I put on a long sleeved sweatshirt and walked to a little lake not far from my room It was silver in the sunlight when I flung his ring into it. Nothing he did hurt me as much as that one act of my own. It splintered all my future fantasies when he transcended in my mind into a living ghost who haunts so absent, who follows everywhere, who refuses to speak. But I am a poet. I can pull words from a ghost, and at times I do it. I conjure him or a version of him who meant the things he said on the phone that night. I call out to my void. I kiss the air which takes the shape of him.
0: That was My Ghost, read by Kenzie Odison, written by Logan February and adapted from their work, The Mania of Queer Desire in Praise of Fever, Ray's Plunge. It's been an honor to bring Logan's words to your ears. Thank you, Logan February. You can check out the full essay and their other work on LoganFebruary.com and their socials are at LoganFebruary. All That Fabulous Music You Heard is by Swedish songwriter Fever Ray from their album Plunge. Thank you so much, Fever Ray. Check out the show notes for more details about how you can listen to their music. Afroqueer is a production of AQ Studios, executive produced by me, Sally Chum, and produced by Penny Dale. Tevin Sudi and Mercy Barno are our sound editors. And I want to give a huge shout out to Mercy Gathaiga, who is the backbone of the Afroqueer team. She works as our administrator and manages the day-to-day of the show and works a lot behind the scenes. Mercy actually pitched us Shivana's story and made sure we were able to produce it for this season. If you haven't listened to that story, go back. It is powerful. We're saying goodbye to Rachel Womoto, our longtime social media maven. The entire Afroqueer team wants to give her a huge thank you for her hard work getting our show and our online community where it is today. We're going to really miss her. Afroqueer is supported by the Wellspring Philanthropic Fund and the Ford Foundation. You're listening to our theme song, Power, by Maya and the Big Sky. You can follow us on all social media platforms at Africa Podcast, and you can listen to all our episodes on our website, www.afroqueerpodcast.com, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Sally Chum. Thanks for listening.